today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. It's not the type of love that says, you love me, then I'll love you. I'll love you, but if you don't love me, forget about it. It's not that type of love. The type of love that we're talking about here is a God-like love. It originates in His character, and when we're born again, it's deposited into our hearts. And we begin to learn how to love. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives, so we can be our hands and feet. Jesus demonstrated just how much He loved us by dying on the cross, even though we had yet to turn from our sin. From this extravagantly loving act, we can only conclude that God's love is not earned, but freely given. In today's message, Pastor Ed teaches us that we are called to love as Christ has loved us. When we love as Jesus loves us, we do so with a sincere motive. We don't love in order to get something in return. God's love is also not based on behavior or results. In other words, Jesus' love in us is supernatural. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. What Peter is doing in this portion of Scripture is he's looking back on salvation. And he said that when a person is saved, born again, a new creation in Christ, there are certain things that happen in their lives. One, they're holy. And holiness is a journey. They become a holy and a godly people. And so he talks about being holy like God is holy, quoting the book of Leviticus. And now as he moves on, he looks at another hallmark, another distinguishing feature of everyone who really has experienced the new birth. He expresses it in this way. It's an everlasting love, an eternal love. Lee Iacocca in his book, Iacocca, talks about an interview that he had with Vince Lombardi, the great football coach. And he was talking to him about what makes a successful team. And Lombardi said this, he said, there are a lot of coaches with good ball clubs who know the fundamentals and have plenty of discipline, but still they don't win the game. Then you come to another ingredient, If you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for one another. You've got to love each other. Each player has to be thinking about the next guy and saying to himself, if I didn't block this man, Paul's going to get it, his leg's broken. I have to do my job well in order that he can do his. Lombardi goes on to say the Difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feeling these guys have for each other. That's what Peter is saying. You're in an environment where there's suffering, 
with his trials, with his tribulations. You're pressured on every side. We live in a hostile world that is far from God. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And so we are in a place where suffering is a part of the journey. And what Peter is saying is what's going to hold us together, what's going to help you get through, is an eternal type of love. One of the men who has influenced my preaching was Stephen Olford. I remember years ago going down south to uh, his school that he had and listening to his lectures on preaching. He was a very godly man. He's home with the Lord now. And he said, Love is the binding power which holds the body of the Christian church together. Peter would have agreed with him. So would Paul, and so would John. Read Paul's writings, and Paul talks a lot about loving one another. Read the Apostle John's writings, and look especially at that first epistle. He talks about loving one another. How? How do we do it? Well, why do we do it? First of all, what Peter is saying is that we are called to demonstrate everlasting love. God called you out of darkness, placed you in his family, and he called you to demonstrate, to exhibit an everlasting love. Now that call to love is not an option, but a command. In the text, in the Greek language, that's what's conveyed. You don't see it as well as in the English But I've chosen the English Standard Version, verse 22. You see, the command to love. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Let's take that verse apart. Notice it says, purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. What's he referring here to? He's referring to the day that a person receives Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. When they turn from sin and they turn to God, uh, he's saying that what happens is when you come into the family of God, you exhibit your Heavenly Father's character. You exhibit what He is like by how you live and how you walk and how you talk. and You exhibit the fact that you know the Father in Heaven. He describes this love. He says, first of all, this love is sincere. In other words, it doesn't have pretense. It doesn't have false motives. It's genuine. It's not the type of love that says, you love me, then I'll love you. I'll love you, but if you don't love me, forget about it. It's not that type of love. The type of love that we're talking about here is a God-like love. It originates in his character, and when we're born again, it's deposited into our hearts. And we begin to learn how to love. So it's genuine, it's without hypocrisy, it's sincere. He says also, and I chose the English Standard Version because I thought it was a better translation 
when it says love is earnest. NIV says deep. The idea of earnest, it means that there is a fervency to our love. There's a consistency to our love. It's not up and then down and it's, you know, it's not fickle, but there's this fervency, there's this intensity, there's this consistency in the way we love people. It's genuine, it's earnest, it's also a love from a pure heart. That means that it comes from the core of our being, from the center of who we are. It's in our bones, it's in our soul. This type of love that God gives us is very different from the world. Hollywood makes some wonderful movies, some not so wonderful movies. They portray romantic scenes and love and all of that. But if you look at their personal lives, those doesn't seem that they, they got it personally. It, it just so often they miss it. All of the breakups and all of the fractured lives and all of that. The love that God gives us is a very different type of love. Our love is, human love is more, well, that's, that's a beautiful person. I'm going to love them. I really like them. You know, they're nice, they're kind. I feel it, drawn to them. And so that's a human love. God's love is something that originates in him. And he loves people not because they're worthy of his love, not because they're the kindest or most beautiful or smartest, simply because God is who he is in himself. And so what he is expecting of us is that we have a type of love that loves people not because they deserve it or are worthy of it or We're especially attracted to them because of some qualities that they may have. No, we, our love makes them valuable in our sight. Just like God's love for us makes us valuable in his sight. The quality of love that God expects from us is this love from a pure heart. It is God-like. You know when you come into the family of God. When you first get saved, everybody is so good. I mean, you're just in love with the church. Sermons are wonderful. Music is great. Ushers do a tremendous job. Sunday school class, you can't get enough of it, on and on. But then you hang out with them a little while, and all of a sudden something happens. You begin to see feet of clay. You begin to see flaws and faults and weaknesses and all of that. And what... God is expecting us at those moments is remember how I loved you? Well, you're to love them. Remember how I've been gracious with you? Well, God actually teaches us on the journey how to love. That's what Paul tells us in the book of Thessalonians where he says, now about brotherly love. We do not need to write you for you yourself have been taught by God to love each other. Our commitment to God is expressed by our commitment to others. Our love for God is expressed by our love for others. You say, Pastor, 
That's a tall order. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know what I have to live with. You don't know what's happened. Well, Peter anticipates that. And he tells us that we were created to love. With that capacity inside. When you were born again, God put inside of you a new nature that has an aversion towards sin. You can't sin the way you once did. You can't say the things, do the things, act the way you once did. Because inside you just know it's not right. You have this inner sense of right and wrong. Well, you also have in your heart as a believer, as a Christian, this new nature. And this is how he describes it. He describes it, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, That means being born again. For you have been born again of an imperishable seed. What he's saying is this. Your new birth is something that's eternal. That's going to last forever and ever and ever. If you endure to the end. If you keep on following Christ. You'll live forever. And everything we see in this world will one day crumble and die. He makes a contrast between the perishable seed and the imperishable seed. And and what he's saying when he, he does that is he's saying that when a perishable seed is planted, that plant dies. When animals have children, when they have little animals, what happens is they they die. Eventually they die. The imperishable seed that God's put in your heart makes you, in a sense, imperishable. It's going to live on, it's going to last forever and ever and ever. And so the idea is that we were created to love. And then what he does is he reaches back into the book of Isaiah. As he goes back into the book of Isaiah, he quotes... He quotes from Isaiah the prophet in verses 24 to 25. It says, All men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. What he's doing is not obvious to the 21st century reader, but it was obvious to his readers. He was making a comparison that... The love of this world diminishes, decays, and dies. Someone loves someone madly, and then they fall just in mad with them. (laughs) Love diminishes. But God's love is a very, very different type of love. It's very, it's supernatural. And it lasts forever. The grass in the field, the sun comes up and it withers. A flower may be beautiful and stand out. And you look at that flower in the field. But that flower is going to fade. I'm going to ask you a critical question now, men. How many got your wives flowers for Valentine's? How many of those bouquets are still healthy and look great? The flowers wither. What God is saying in his word is the type of love that he gives us is eternal, is everlasting. It's 
His type of love. He deposits it in our hearts. And as born again Christians, that love sustains us. And that love remains with us even into eternity. The love that's in the church should be very different than the love that's in the world. And what he's asking us to do is to recognize that even though it's the most difficult type of love to have, our new nature was made to do that. That's the engine on the inside. It's an engine that has that speed and has that ability and has that power to love God's way. Now, John the Apostle writes in his book, in 1 John, and I want to use the message translation. He said, if anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You got to love both. What Peter is saying is that when we're born again, when we are a new creation in Christ, God teaches us how to love the way he loves He's given us that capacity. He's given us that new birth that has that type of characteristic. And then he goes on and he tells us how we practically can do it. What's the way that we demonstrate that love? He told us, first of all, we're commanded to do it because we're called. You have to love. It's a command. You were made to do that. As one of his children, being born again, God put in you the ability to do that. And then he moves on and he says, here's the way. The way to demonstrate that everlasting love, verses 1 to 3 in the second chapter. He tells us there's something we have to change. When you get saved, you're not entirely sanctified. I remember I had a roommate who was in Bible college. His name was Joe. Joe got into a theology that said that he had reached entire sanctification. He was holy as holy could be. And I reminded Joe, I said, we're your roommate, Joe. We know how you live, Joe. You're not, you're not there yet. <laughs> Holiness is a progression. It's a, it's a process. It takes a lifetime. We should be going in the right direction. But he says, there's some things you've got to put off. So there's something you have to put off. It's the old ways, the old nature. So we must put off the old nature. And he really uses language that's reminiscent of a baptism service. When early Christians were baptized, when they came out of the waters of baptism, they would give them a brand new white robe. It spoke of the purity of their lives. It spoke of how they were to live. And what he is saying is, you got to take off the soiled garment, and you got to put on the new garment. And then he begins to describe the old garment. He says, okay, first of all, put off, get rid of malice. What is malice? It's the desire to hurt someone. It's the desire to get even with someone. It's a settled dis- disposition of anger 
that wants to hurt and harm other people. Someone's offended you, and you say, oh, I want them to get offended. Uh, you offend a person, and then they want to give you a negative prophecy. <laughs> that is the idea of this sense of malice that's in the world. And so, recognizing malice is this settled disposition of anger towards others that really wants to see them hurt. Then he goes on and says, deceit. All of these relate to our relationship with one another. Deceit. That's a desire to harm people through trickery. It's the idea of laying bait for someone. So what you do is you have one agenda under the table, and then you put another agenda on top of the table that's inconsistent with the agenda under the table. And you use it for selfish means. The idea of being deceitful, uh, deceptive, cunning, to ensnare another person. Then he goes on and uses the term hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Well, in this text, in the context, it means this. Someone who conceals their real motives. Someone who meets you with a face that's different from their heart. With words that are different from their feelings. Peter said, these are real things. These are character flaws. These are sins that you have to put off if you're going to have to build unity. Because they'll keep you from building community and unity and love in the body of Christ. Then he goes on to mention envy. Now, envy is not what we think of it in the English language today. The biblical idea of envy is this. It's not only that you want what someone else has, is you don't want them to have what they have. And you're upset. Because maybe they're blessed, maybe they're used, maybe they're prosperous. And when I was reading the research, it says that oftentimes in Christian organizations and in non-for-profit organizations, this is such a common trait. Envy. Where people have a an envious attitude. That means that when another person is blessed, you can't rejoice with them. That suffocates your relationship to God. All of these things are toxins, poisons to our soul that can cripple our relationship with other believers that hinder us from experiencing God's love in our life and being a channel of His love to others. Then the last one he has is slander. Now, one writer said it this way. Satan is a chef that cooks up this meal. Satan is the father of lies. Slander is destroying another person's character. It's diminishing their virtues and their strengths. It's putting a dark cloud over who they are. We hope you've been blessed by the teaching of Dr. Edward Jones in the book of 1 Peter and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. 
Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Get to know the wonderful people behind Building in Faith and learn what we believe as a church and desire to share with everyone who listens. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source of spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are all encouraged in God's Word and are extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. If you are in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, we welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Your word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit.